Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Hey, great to see everybody today and excited about what God's doing here at church. And uh, man, have you guys enjoyed this series, Desperation? This has been, uh, I've loved this series and uh, hearing uh, great things from you guys. Pastor Chad's done a great job. Pastor Mark, hearing great things in Marshfield as well. Um, I'm going to get right to it. I'm just going to share briefly today. Um, but if you have missed any of these messages, please go online, destinychurch.me, uh, under the resources tab, and you can catch any of these. Um, it, it will have a link to our YouTube channel, or you can uh, download our podcast, Destiny Church Audio, and you can check them out there as well. Hippocrates said this, desperate times call for desperate measures. Over the last few weeks, we've heard about people who are desperate. We've heard about Moses, who said, God, I am not going anywhere unless your presence goes with me. We've heard Pastor Chad talk about blind Bartimaeus. Um, blind Bartimaeus uh, threw off his cloak, his robe, who I, which identified who he was. Because he says, I, I know Jesus is passing by, and I don't want to miss my opportunity. Desperate times call for desperate measures. What does this exactly mean? Sometimes our circumstances require an action, listen, that breaks our regular protocol. I'm going to say this again. Sometimes our circumstances require an action that breaks our regular protocol. In other words, when we become desperate, we do things and say things and sometimes act in a way that we wouldn't normally act. I think about a college student who's taking 16-hour uh, credit hours of class and works a full-time job because they are determined not to live maybe in the poverty that they grew up in. I've heard stories of parents who, has a, who, who, who have a child trapped under a car, and I've heard stories of parents lifting the corner of a car off of their child. I've heard, have you heard the story about the man who uh, was on a hike and he fell and he got his arm caught between the crevice of the rocks, couldn't free his arm, and he had to make a choice. Do I die here or do I sever my own arm to live. How many of you have ever seen the TV show Alone? Have you ever seen this show Alone? Anybody? Am I the only one? A few people have seen this TV show. Rochelle likes this show. Um, I think Pastor Chad watches this show a little bit. I watched it one season. I think they were in Patagonia. Um, but let me, I just want to tell you about this show real quick. So they have 10 people who have somewhat some sur survivor skills. And these 10 people are competing for $500,000. They drop them off in the middle of nowhere. They're not close enough to where they can meet up, but they have just a few survival uh, tools with them. And whoever lasts the longest, whoever doesn't tap out, whoever doesn't use the satellite phone to call in, whoever lasts the longest wins the money. I don't know about you, that does not sound like my idea of a good time. Um, it just, you know, maybe that's your thing. But these people are, number one, desperate to survive. They're desperate to win the cash. 
desperate times call for desperate measures. One of the greatest stories in the Bible concerning this is found in Mark chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Mark chapter 5. You can follow us on Version if you have the Bible app. Um, you can search us on Version, and all these notes and scriptures are there for you if you'd like to do that. Sorry, my iPad just messed up. Let me read this to you. This is Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read starting in verse 21. And this is from the Message Bible. I want you to listen to this. After Jesus crossed over by boat, he was on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. This is the story before this when he cast the evil spirits out of the man and they went into the pigs and they ran over the cliff. So after he crossed over from that to the other side, a large crowd met him at the seaside. One of the meeting place leaders named Jairus was there. Meeting place, this was, this was a pastor. This was a campus pastor. This was a church staff member. When he saw Jesus, he fell to his knees beside himself and he begged. My dear daughter's at death's door. Come and lay hands on her so she will get well and live. And so Jesus went with him the whole crowd tagging along, pushing and jostling him. And here's where it gets interesting because there's another story within this story. Verse 25, a woman who had suffered a condition of hemorrhaging for 12 years, a long succession of physicians had treated her and treated her badly, taking all her money and leaving her, listen to this, worse off than before, had heard about Jesus. She slipped in from behind and touched his robe. And she was thinking to herself, if I can just put a finger on his robe, I can get well. And the moment that she did, the flow of blood dried up. She could feel the change and knew her plague was over and done with. At that same moment, Jesus felt energy discharging from him. And he turned around to the crowd and he said, who touched my robe? His disciples says, well, what are you talking about? With the crowd pushing and jostling you, you're asking, who touched me? Dozens of people have touched you. But he went on asking, looking around to see who had done it. The woman, knowing what had happened, knowing that she was the one, stepped out, and this is key, stepped out in fear and trembling, and she knelt before him and gave him the whole story. We're going to talk in just a moment of why she was fearful. Jesus said to her, daughter, you took a risk of faith, and now you're healed and whole. Live well, live blessed, be healed of your plague. While he was still talking, some people came from the leader's house. Back to story one. Some people came from the leader's house and said, your daughter's now dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? When I read scripture, I try to put myself in the shoes of maybe a bystander, maybe someone who was looking or just kind of saw this whole thing unfold. In this particular instance, I'm putting myself in the shoes of Jairus. Now, just, just consider this with me. Put yourself in Jairus' shoes. Your daughter, your child is at death's door. You know of Jesus. You see Jesus coming. 
and you beg him, you fall to your knees, Jesus, my daughter is, is, is near death. Would you please come and pray for her and lay hands on her? You have to think that he was desperate for a touch from Jesus. But then someone else pulls his attention away and touches his robe and Jesus stops and this whole story unfolds. What do you think Jairus must have thought? Think about this. Someone else has took the attention away from Jairus' need. Do you think maybe Jairus was frustrated? Wait a second, my daughter's about to die. Do you think Jairus may have gone from desperate to now he's frustrated? My daughter's almost dead. And then Jesus heals this woman, and he says, go, live in peace, your faith made you whole. And now Jairus is probably feeling hopeful. He went from desperate to maybe frustrated with this woman, but now that she's healed, now he's hopeful. And then in a moment's notice, your daughter's dead. And now he's broken. Desperate. Frustrated. Hopeful. And then broken. He received the worst news any parent could ever receive. And I wonder today if there's anyone here, you've been waiting on God for your answer. And now someone else got their answer before you. Someone else got their healing before you. Someone that, someone that you thought that their need or their issue wasn't as important as yours. And maybe you have waited and your situation has gone from bad to worse. And I want you to know today, he hasn't forgotten about you. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus is setting you up for something bigger and greater than you can even imagine. Maybe Jesus is on his way to your house to resurrect something that's dead and that's broken inside of you. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ. In Christ Jesus. I don't know about you. I, I, it's sometimes in, 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 in certain seasons of our lives, it's difficult to be joyful and thankful. I'm, I'm human. I don't know about you, but that's sometimes difficult. But one thing I know I can control is I can never stop praying. I can never stop believing for my need. Verse 36 in our, in our main text, Mark 5, 36. Jesus overheard what they were talking about. And he says to Jairus, don't listen to them, just trust me. That's easier said than done. He permitted no one to go in with him except Peter, James, and John. And they entered into the leader's house and they pushed their way through the, listen to this, through the gossips looking for a story and the neighbors bringing in casseroles. That's my favorite part of this whole we could, sell, we could sell a t-shirt that says gossip and casseroles. Come on. Jesus was abrupt. Why all this busybody grief and gossip? This child isn't dead. She's just sleeping. Provoked to sarcasm, they told him he didn't know what he was talking about. But when he sent them all out, he took the child's father and mother along with his companions. He entered the child's room. He clasped the girl's hands and he said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, 
get up. And at that, she was up walking around. This girl, 12 years of age, was up walking around who was once dead. And of course, they were beside themselves with joy. The story has four characters. It has Jesus, Jairus, Jairus' daughter, and the woman with the issue of blood. And today, I just want to real briefly just kind of tell you a little bit about, paraphrase this story, and maybe it'll speak to you. Maybe it'll speak life into your situation today. Jairus was blessed. He had favor before man. He had favor before God. He was known throughout the community, honored. He was respected. He was a pastor. And our story tells us that Jesus is on his way to Jairus' Jairus's daughter, to minister to her because she was sick. He's able to summon Jesus because he's somebody, because of who he is. The second person, the woman with the issue of blood, she doesn't have a name. The Bible doesn't tell us what her name is. She's only known by her problem. She's known as the woman with the issue of blood. She's Struggled with this condition for 12 years. And because of this condition, her identity was compromised and society had labeled her as the unclean woman. Ladies, how would you like to be known as the unclean woman around town? Her condition separated her from the people that were closest to her because under the Levitical law, she was considered unclean. Let me explain this to you. This lady was on her monthly cycle for 12 long years straight. Levitical law says that a woman is unclean for seven days during her cycle. This woman was considered unclean for 12 years. Think about that for just a moment. Anything that, not just the woman, anything that she touched, any person that she came in contact with, was considered unclean. People didn't want to be seen talking to her because of what the law said. She didn't have any friends. She had no one to confide in. Think about that for just a moment. The Bible says that she spent all that she had on doctors. She spent all that she had on health care to try to remedy her condition. If she were alive today, she would have tried every supplement, every pill, every diet, every shake, and of course, come on, every oil. <laughs> Eucalyptus. Of course, thieves. Right? She's absent and void of all relationships for 12 long years. I, I believe the enemy must have attacked her through this mentally. You see, what the enemy does is he always tries to make us believe that we're the only one who's ever struggled the way that we are struggling. If, in, in her isolation, he'll try to convince you that, that, that you're all alone, that there's no one who's ever walked down this path that you are walking, so no one can help you because they've not been there themselves. I want you to know today, if you feel isolated, if you feel cut off, 
if you feel like whatever you're walking through is driving you away from God, is driving you away from the people that you love. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's something emotional. Maybe it's something psychological. I want you to know today, whatever it is, you are not alone. You have a church family that is here for you. We proved that last week when one of our pastors stood on this stage and our church family came around and embraced him and said, I'm walking with you every step of the way. Whatever you're walking through today, he will never forsake you. The same God that hung every star in the universe, the same God who tells the tide how far to come in and how far to go out is the same God that calls you his perfect workmanship. You are his masterpiece. You are not alone. This woman's desperate. She's hemorrhaging on the inside, but on the outside, she had to act like everything is fine. Everything's fine. There's nothing wrong. If she were to bear her soul to us, we would see that she's not only hemorrhaging physically, but emotionally and mentally. And now we know financially. She spent everything that she had. And to relate this to you and I, we have this human tendency to mask or even pacify our pain with the things of this world. Some of us mask our pain by using the very thing that inflicted us. This woman tried to mask and to soothe her pain by using every resource that's available to her. I want you to know today, I'm not talking bad about medicine today. I believe that God uses medicine to heal us. But this woman tried every single thing that she could possibly try. She was desperate. Some people run to alcohol to medicate their pain. They drink themselves to a place where they feel nothing. Some people, try not, try not to be cliche here, but some people use drugs. Some people, it's food. That's how they cope. Some people, it's a relationship that they use to pacify their pain. I need to tell you, listen to me, the resources of this world are not enough for you. They're not enough for you. You're never going to be able to soothe the pain that you are experiencing in your life. That void that's inside of you, if you look to alcohol, if you look to that next high, if you keep thinking that this person can help me, if I just go head over heels for this person, this relationship will help me cope. If I sleep with this person, maybe they can give me the strength that I need to get through it. If you look to the things of this world, they will leave you worse off than before. Solomon, in Proverbs, in Ecclesiastes, he had everything. He tried everything. He had houses. He had money. He had vineyards. He had lakes to irrigate his vineyards. He had parks. He had silver. He had gold. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 11, he says, But as I looked at everything I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was also meaningless. Like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. I want you to know that if you are broken, if you are hurting, if you are desperate today, if you're experiencing pain, either physically or emotionally, your answer will not be found in anything in this world. But if you've not heard a word I've said today, listen to this. 
But one touch from Jesus can change everything. Just one touch. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And today I want to give you three facts about desperate people as I'm wrapping up today. And I'm just going to paraphrase through these. The three facts about desperate people. Number one, desperate people don't give up. Desperate people do not give up. Both Jairus and this woman were determined and they were desperate for a touch from Jesus. Both didn't care what society would say or how society would react or treat them. If I can go back to the woman with the issue of blood, just real quick, she did not give up. There's nothing in Scripture that would lead us to believe that she thought her illness was incurable. Both heard that Jesus was on His way. Listen to me. They were not going to waste an opportunity for God to move in their situation. Don't waste an opportunity when you know Jesus is passing by. Don't waste an opportunity when you know Jesus is passing by. There are some people in life who've heard about Jesus, but when they walk through something in their life, they don't come to Jesus. Sometimes we would rather focus on resolving our issues with our own strength. And I'll raise my hand, I've been there. Even under the most desperate circumstances, we sometimes don't believe that Jesus can help us And so we seek help in other things. Both Jairus and this woman believed that Jesus would heal their situations and they put all of their hope and all of their trust in Him. But most of all, they did not give up. I wonder today, have you given up hope that Jesus can heal you? Desperate people don't give up. Number two, desperate people are bold and courageous. This woman, again, was considered unclean by law. She was supposed to be isolated from the public. If anyone touched this woman, they too would be considered unclean. How many of you know that when we isolate ourselves from God, when we isolate ourselves from other people, it not only affects us, it can affect the ones that we love. The ones who come in contact with us, our friends, our family, the people that we do life with. Despite what people might have said, what Jairus' friends might have thought, what his church family might say, he didn't care. He fell to his knees and he begged Jesus to come and heal his daughter. Despite the religious law, this woman showed boldness and courage by ignoring what protocol says, what the religious law says, she pushed through the crowd, believing that if she could just touch the clothes of Jesus, she could be healed. You see, embarrassment didn't matter to her anymore. She didn't care. If only I can get close enough to touch the hem of his garment. How many times do we fear what society will say? Or how many times do we get embarrassed what someone might say or what someone might post about us? She didn't care. When you're desperate, 
there's a boldness that rises up inside of us. And I dare somebody today to get backed into a corner and forget what others might say and forget about what others might think. Quit worrying about being accepted by people. In the book of Joshua, God tells Joshua, he says, I'm promising you everything that I promised to Moses. Moses is now dead. Now you're the new leader. You're in charge. Wherever you step, I'll give you that land. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, God says, this is my command. Be strong and be courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I don't know about you, but that is encouraging. Be bold. Be courageous. Don't give up. Can I tell you, when you cry out in your desperation, when, you, when your back is against the wall, when you've played every card in your hand, be strong, be bold, don't give up, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And number three today, Desperate people have faith in God. They don't give up. They're bold and courageous. But desperate people have faith in God. Jairus and this woman both believed and had faith that God would heal them. Even though Jairus was a person of influence, everybody knew him in the community. Even though he was dignified, he was honorable, he knew that there's only one person that could remedy his situation. He was desperate. This woman was an outcast. She didn't have friends. She had nobody to talk to without being ridiculed. We don't even know her name. But she came to Jesus. But here's the deal. She came to Jesus desperate. Sometimes... Sometimes it takes brokenness for us to realize our desperation. Let me say it, to, let me say it this way. Sometimes brokenness precedes desperation. If you feel like you're dying on the inside, if you're desperate for a touch from Jesus, I want you to know Jesus can heal you today. He can heal you today. But Jesus asks us to come to him boldly. We can't give up. Even if someone else gets their healing before you, we can't give up. We have to keep praying. We have to keep believing. And you know what? It, it gets easier when you have a church family that will stand beside you, that will hold your arms up when you're too weak to hold them up yourself. That's what church is. When we're broken, when we're hurting, when we're desperate. That's what a church family's for. Sometimes we have to decide, am I going to keep my reputation or am I going to pursue a relationship? Am I going to stay in this place of misery for the rest of my life? Am I going to hang out in this place of discontent for reputation's sake? Or am I going to throw it all at the feet of Jesus and pursue the one thing that I need, and that's Him and Him alone. And I wonder today if you understand that desperate times require desperate measures.
Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.